Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. In this episode of Iron Sights Podcast, we're going to be talking about deloading. So if you've been in a resistance training program for a while where you work at a higher intensity level, higher volume levels uh, over longer periods of time, say maybe powerlifting, bodybuilding, or maybe you're a, uh, maybe you're more like a CrossFit athlete that just likes to push the envelope all the time. Deloads are an important concept to understand. If you don't know what deloading is, then this is going to give you some real insight to the concepts, the theories, and some of the practical application behind that. Uh, we're going to cover very specifically what deloads are, why you should or shouldn't do them. Uh, we're going to talk about some concepts like fatigue management and what happens when you're doing more than you can effectively recover from. And then when and how to know if you should deload in your program. Uh, a couple of things we'll talk about with regard to the answers to that, the, that and those questions with uh, concepts like biofeedback and certainly making sure you're tracking so you know what and when and where to deload. So I brought in two of my best guys. You guys, you already know these guys, Caleb Disney. He's an experienced bodybuilder, also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's been with Red Dot Fitness for some time. I go to him on all things physique and performance enhancement. And my other guy is Jeff Cheneau. He's our resident mobility and flexibility nerd, but also very, very uh, smart dude with a, a lot to add with regard to the nuance of a lot of the concepts that we both talk about coach and train here. So uh, we'll move on with deloads. I want to remind you of two things. First, uh, you can check out a lot of the concepts that we talk about here in detail, including our four most recommended or favorite ways to, uh, to deload on our YouTube channel. A lot of, lot of information there and uh, specific to content. So slide on over there after the podcast, check that out. And also I want to remember, uh, if you'd like to get some coaching or be involved in one of our online programs here at Red Dot Fitness, go to rdftrainonline.com. That's rdftrainonline.com. And you'll find out everything you need to know. Sit back and enjoy the show. All right. So let me tell you guys why I never deload and why deloads don't work for me. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> So the reason they don't, I don't deload and that they don't work for me is because quite frankly, I don't train at an intensity level to, that will, to warrant a, a, a deload anymore. Sure. Now this is, this is different for me now. Currently my training, my resistance training program uh, is about three days a week. I'm never training to failure with heavy mm -hmm. loads. I might train to up to a near failure with specific to my endurance sure. where my thresholds are, mm -hmm. but I'm not getting under a, a bar and trying yeah. to lift, you know, three rep maxes gotcha. or yeah. one RIRs or anything like that anymore. It's yeah. just not where I'm at in my life, my lifestyle. So effectively I never deload because I don't need to deload. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I've never pushed the stimulus to a point yeah. where I need a recovery that warrants yes. a week or several sessions worth of deloads. Very few people do. Yeah. So I think there's a, <laughs> there's a big misconception there, like it about deloading and what, you know, just because it's in your program yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you yeah. should you do it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean you should do it. Sure. Uh, you you kind of have to earn it so to speak. 
But uh, let's talk about like for that person that's like, how do I know if I should be deloading? Like, or and when do I do it? Mm. So the concept of deloading is let's kind of overview it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's important to first look at like, why are deloads a thing? Why do people do them in the first place? What uh, utility are we trying to, you know, extract from this? Um, And there are a couple of points there. Uh, One is obviously fatigue management and a good training program should have fatigue management kind of built in, right? Um, Not kind of. It it should. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, that's that's fair. It should be. It's compulsory. The better you can manage Mm -hmm. fatigue, the longer you're going to be able to extend a training block, a mesocycle, before you need a deload. Um, If you even do. I mean, most Mm -hmm. people who are actively trying to improve, you know, who are trying to actively get stronger or build more muscle at, you know, the fastest rate, the highest rate they can, they're going to need them, right? Um, But, you know, how how frequently and and, what it should look like is going to be individual dependent. Um, but so, yeah, so we're trying to, we eventually get to a point because we're pushing the stimulus over time that the amount of stimulus we now need to continue to push adaptations actually exceeds what we are able to recover from in time for the next session. And so what we do is we have an extended recovery window, you know, it could be upwards of a week, it could be four to five days where, you know, it can look different, but the point is to ameliorate all that fatigue that we've built up over the mesocycle and kind of reset ourselves. Um, the second reason building off of that reset is if you are a type of person who is working on a program where volume is changing throughout the mesocycle, where you're accumulating volume over time, eventually you get to that same problem where you need more. Now you've adapted to that certain amount and you need more to continue to induce progression. Um, and that amount that you need is now more than you can safely recover from. Yes. So, the yeah, second, so that's an important piece. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's that the you, important piece. More than you can recover from. Um, and I'm going to add the word comfortably because uh, that's relative. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. Lifestyle needs to be, you know, it needs to be conducive to your lifestyle. Um, but so by having a period of deloading, we can actually resensitize to the, the delivery mechanism of that stimulus. Yep. Um, and so once we start a new mesocycle, we may be able to start at the lower end of volume ranges for ourselves. And then again, titrate it upward over the course of that mesocycle. So let's, let's define mesocycle in this context real quick. So when we're talking mesocycle, What's the period of time you're thinking of? Because I know what I'm thinking of. Um, anywhere from really three weeks to upwards of 12, depending on the person. So this isn't like, this isn't a short, short period of time. So it's like a four or five week, six week block. I don't like think that. people think, that, I know people don't think 12 weeks down the line. No. Like, the, and when I say people, that's sure. a very blanket statement. Sure, I mean, those sure. that are, those are, those that are, have done this for a long time, recognize the importance of that, but Oftentimes people go week to week with their training plans, yeah. right? They're not thinking longer term they're, and they're just pushing. And it's like one day they feel good and one day they don't they feel don't, good. Yep. And they're approaching their, it's very hit or miss. And so like, I'm pushing really hard today because I happen to have, you know, two days of really good eating and a couple of really good nights rest. Mm-hmm. And then I come in, you know, two days after that and I should be on this training plan, but now I'm like, eh, I just, I'm not feeling it. You know, like i yeah. was up late, stressed yeah, at work, sure, I sure. missed two meals, whatever else. And so that's going to happen anyway, but without organization. And again, going back to meso, macro, micro cycles of training and, and really going into a, a, a organized approach sure. to your strength, mm-hmm. performance, hypertrophy, whatever endurance training program, you're going to, it's going to be tough to know yeah. when to deload. Well, I do want to qualify that time window too, in that the more advanced you get, the shorter those windows generally yep. become. Yes. So personally, I think I've had maybe one client ever who was able to make it a full 12 weeks before they needed a deload of some kind. I love it. Um, yeah. 
But that's also not something that I programmed out in advance saying, okay, we're going to deload at week mm-hmm. 13 after 12 weeks. Yes. It's something that you kind of do more um, reactively, not proactively. Yeah. And it comes with a tracking. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of an art to it. You're right. I believe that that's, that's kind of training in general, cause you're dealing with an individual, yeah. right? So there's a little bit of, of kind of like your spidey sense, yeah. like, yeah, I'm noticing some things. And so we you also we, learn your athlete over time. Exactly. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're building that relationship that comes with a high level of communication, yes. not just, you know, oh, yeah. here's the program. Oh, here's what you're paying me for. And send them in. Programs are template. easy. They're dime a dozen, right? Very, the yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's really checking in with yourself internally, whoever you are, the participant of the program and, and looking at biofeedback, yeah, which is another conversation yeah. for another time, <laughs> but understanding like what's really happening with you. How do you actually feel like yes. what is actually, what are some these other less well, now they're becoming more measurable with with technology right. i think things like sleep things like recovery yep. uh, morning boner like, like you don't yeah, lose the morning boner dude you just time every time do you like all, all that stuff for sure yeah. hrv like there's there's all kinds of things we can we can do a better job measuring now which is the, again more specific to biofeedback yes. and again that can t- can clue you into when a a deload might be necessary. Yep. Yes. Uh, and for me, again, going back to my, my particular, uh, particular uh, situation, <laughs> I don't deload because I'm not pushing, you know, to that level. Yep. But at the same time, uh, I also know when I might need to take a day off. Absolutely. And that's my deload. Yes. Right. So your deload could look different based yes. on who you are, what your training program looks like. And where you are in your training Where life. you are. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, what is your, what is your level of connection? Like, what's your history? What's your experience yeah. level yep. with all the things that we're talking about? For sure. Yeah. So that's a really good point in that, like, really, we're going through this list of biofeedback uh, metrics that we measure basically on a weekly basis. You know, I may not be checking in with an athlete um, the first well, not that I'm not checking in, but not asking about these things over the first like four weeks. Once they've established that they're in the program, for the most part, I know at least week two, week three, week four, they're going to be fine, assuming I've done a mesocycle with them prior, mm-hmm. you know. But around week four, five, six, and onward, I'm going to be checking in with them weekly. More frequently. Yeah. What's the quality of your sleep like? What um, are you motivated to go to the gym or are you kind yeah. of dreading it? Mm-hmm. Um, training progress, is it moving along at the same rate or is it started to slow down a little bit? Or are you starting to regress? And all important factors. And all of these, you know, are also with the explicit understanding that the other areas of your life that can affect your training are for the most part standardized. You're sleeping eight hours a night and you have a bedtime routine for the most part that, you know, so, you know, your sleep is pretty similar night to night. You're eating relatively the same things or at least the same calories and macronutrients on a daily basis. Um, You know, but those are things I ask about because if performance dips, it may be they're overtrained and need to deload, yeah. but it also may be they slept like shit for the last yeah. two nights. Or they didn't eat their fucking food. They didn't eat their food. Yeah. Maybe, oh, I didn't want to eat my other meal. Maybe they're, <laughs> they're going they're going through a breakup. And, you yeah. know, stress, Absolutely. stress of all kinds comes from yes. that recovery bucket uh-huh. that we have. And so we need to be able to ask about these things. And that's why it's going to be different from person to person and cycle, mesocycle to mesocycle. The stress piece right there. It, I mean, there's so many me. factors that go yeah. into it. So people are always thinking training, training, training. And what's the thing that's going to give me the edge when they're not, mm. they're not focused on the basics. And we've covered the basics uh, many times in other podcasts and in our programs and, and so forth. I don't want to rehash that for the people that listen to us regularly. But the bottom line is the, 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 the nutrition piece, the rest and recovery piece, the quality of the food and the, and the adequacy of the, the micronutrients and macronutrients that you're getting, all those things are important. 
the exercise is super important, yeah. but it, it needs to be. And that's the, one of the things that quite frankly is one of the easier things to manage that can be or a measure. It's a little bit more, actually more fun to do. I don't know anybody that loves tracking their macros. Yeah. Right? It's, only, I mean, it's, it's not hard. I know people that love the result they For get sure. from tracking their mat- yeah, macros, sure. but I don't know anybody that loves tracking macros, yeah. but I know, I, I, I know tons of people who track their workouts all the time. They're like, check it out. And they're the religious. I, Jeff, Every time you're out there on the floor, he's got his he's got his tracker there. And he's Dude, if you're not there. tracking your fucking numbers, you're not doing shit. Yeah, so just, you don't like. You, how many times do I remember? Like, oh, the fourth said, did I go up five pounds or not? Right. And then that's a. I need to fucking know that. So here's the thing. So that's an interesting statement. So let's go back to me as an example because I don't track anymore. Sure. I did for a long, long time because yeah. I had very specific goals, goals yeah. that I was trying to achieve. But that's very key. You probably did do your due diligence with all these things when you're building your foundation. Same with macros, yeah. right? So, yeah. say, so there are some people that should be tracking more. Mm. There's probably some people out there should maybe be tracking less. Yeah. Right. So, but yes, so I have a sense, I have a, I have a, uh, like a pH and I know when it's off, Mm. if you will, with specific to my training program. So again, I don't need to deload. Uh, My deload might be, might be a day off, but my, my point is, is like, I have this awareness of where my training is and what, where my strength levels are and aren't. And occasionally I'll go test myself. Yes. You know, Within reason, yes, not yeah. off willy nilly. To keep you honest, to yeah. know where I am, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I re- I recognize it was a couple of weeks back. I was doing, I was there were a lot of pull ups in my program, right? And uh, as a result, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. Well, it's not as a result, but as a result of the pull ups, I had not been paying much attention to my mobility, specific uh, to my shoulders and my my thoracic. For sure, and and I got. Out down on the floor one day, I was like, okay, I'm just going to check in with my mobility because I knew where I was. And I had it on video actually because I was, I was working out with this group of guys and we had, we had videotaped it. And I got down on the floor and I was like, holy <laughs> shit, my shoulders and my lats are tight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I had to revisit. And that for me, you that, like a child's pose because I knew. That? Yeah. No, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I knew I got down and rode back onto my, onto my heels. And I stuck yeah. my arms on from me. Holy shit. Yeah. This is awful. So I, that was my checking in piece. But, that comes to what you just said. And that's based on my experience and my level. So if people entering into programs now, it would be very beneficial for them to get on something that was organized and mapped out so that they get some consistency over time. And then they have kind of that litmus of now I can go back and kind of check and see where I was and where I got to. And they have some sense so that you maybe for me, it's again, it's like a very undulating program, right? It's not as periodized as it might be for some people, but I think people need to do more periodized programs so they can understand all that. Well, let's quantify that. How many years have you been training? Yeah, exactly. So it's for you seven years old. I've been training since I was 12. Right. right? You have that framework. Right. So that's what, like 25 years Uh, of tracking for the most part. There was a lot of tracking for a long time. Yeah. And so you've kind of, I've talked about this before where you kind of earn the right to, I'm going to say have balance. That's what I've talked about. And it's kind of what you have right now. You are, have a balanced approach with your, all my lifestyle, your, your my training, training everything. Food. Yeah. yeah. But you've quote unquote earned the right to do that because you spent time putting in the reps. You've been years putting in the reps of understanding, you know, how much food you need and how to feel and tell the difference when you need more or less, when you need more or less rest. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course you're, that's a, a point where you're at. So getting back to the deload, let's, I don't even want to talk to you about deloads unless you can tell me what your program has looked like and where you, where you started and where you are now. Correct. Yeah. Right. Because I, I have nothing to gauge 
what a D when a deload should happen and what we should be deloading, right. Or deloading too. And there's many different ways. And we've talked about this in other videos, but we have, there there are different ways to deload and which one I might recommend to you versus over another. Cause it's not just as simple as, well, we just take a couple days off. Yeah. It's some. Some people that can be very, very counterproductive. Oh, yeah. So, right? yeah so. so most of the programs you see, like for me, when I was deloading, when I was powerlifting, um, I'm basically doing roughly the same tension, right? I didn't want to pull away from tension. A lot of people talk about cutting the weight in half. I actually cut the volume in half and kept the tension yeah, because the I wanted the same. I so you got the stimulus. Yeah, you got wanted, the stimulus. Yeah. I wanted the CNS stimulus and I wanted to keep that same tension on the body, but I just lowered the volume. And I've seen people start to refer to that as de-volume, like mm. a de-volume. Mm. <laughs> no, there's always a way for us to <laughs> yeah, we can overcomplicate right, this come shit, on, right? Jesus Christ. So yeah, you can watch that video on, we have our four best, our four most recommended ways to, uh, to, to deload you. Mm-hmm. You can check that out. Cause we go through those, uh, those, those things in, in details. Depth. Yeah. In detail. But I think the point here is, is, uh, deloads can be very, very helpful. Yes. You, you, you sort of need to earn them. Mm-hmm. It, and the only way to, to do that is to have an organized training program mm-hmm. that we can see uh, history on so that we know, uh, in, in, in biofeedback would be even better if we had that along alongside of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so if you're a person out there that's wondering whether you, you should be putting in a deload or whether or not your deload is being uh, is effective or not, uh, start with the tracking and uh, and make sure you start tracking that biofeedback because that'll give that'll give you a whole lot more insight to probably when and when and how. Agreed. Like and subscribe. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation. You can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.